Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. The Bible says the entrance of your word brings light, it brings understanding to the simple. Let our hearts be receptive for your word this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Say this with me, say every day. And in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say it louder. Say, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have come before your word again today. We are excited about your word. Our hearts are glad at your word because we know that he that finds your word is like you have found a great treasure. The Bible says that man went and sold all that he had just to purchase that field. That's how we value your word. We ask, oh God, for eyes that see Jesus and hears that hear his voice. Hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus Christ is in us. I ask that you anoint me and my lips of clay again today. Let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. At the end of this message, let everyone be edified and let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, wait wait at somebody and just have your seats. God bless you. Welcome to church. Thank you for showing up again today. Glory to God. Um... So we're going to stay with the, the message translation again today, all right? We'll go to First, first Kings chapter number 8 from verse 56, but we're going to stay there because uh, the word that I have for you today is, think of it as part two of last week's message in the same series, all right? Um, I had two other messages that I wanted to share in this series, but somehow God just keeps bumping them further down the, the pecking order and giving me a fresh word. I mean, we like fresh word. Yeah, I like fresh word. And whenever God does that, I know that God is speaking to the house and there is a purpose behind the word. So let's stay with the word. First Kings chapter number 8. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a very preachy mood this morning. Hallelujah. Watch out. You might be here till 2 o'clock. <laughs> the way I feel right now. <laughs> First Kings chapter, chapter number 8 from verse 56 to verse 58. Look at what it says. Blessed be God who has given peace to his people Israel just as he said he would do. Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he spoke through Moses has misfired. May God, our very own God, continue to be with us just as he was with our ancestors. May he never give up and walk out on us. How many people are glad that God will never give up on you? Say that to yourself. Say he will never give up on me. Yeah, he says he will never walk out on us. Then he says, may he keep us centered and devoted. Somebody say devoted. To him, following the life path he has cleared, watching the signposts, walking at the pace and rhythm he laid down for our ancestors. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I'm taking my title this morning from from this passage of scripture, and I've titled this message, Watch the Signposts. Say that with me. Say, watch the signposts. We've been talking about this, this metaphor of this journey and going on a journey is like um, um, you're going to a destination and there is a, a pace that you can be going out that is dangerous and there is another one that is slow but is also dangerous. And we've talked about all of this, but today I want to draw your attention to something else, which is the signposts. When you are going on a journey, there is something called signposts. 
Because it's not just good or important that you get somewhere quickly. It's also very important that you get there safely. It's important that you get there in one piece, and that's what signposts are for. That's exactly what they do. And uh, the dictionary defines signpost as a post bearing a sign that gives information or guidance. So it is a post that is bearing a sign, and what that sign is supposed to do is to give you information or to give you guidance. Now, I'm not going to tell you what signposts are, what they represent in your life. I will let the Holy Spirit interpret this message to you. But what I will do is to tell you what signposts generally look like. So that as you listen to the message, the Holy Spirit brings it into your own context. And it makes more sense to you that way. And we're talking about the fact that Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us. We find that in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let's take a look here. Jesus promised this. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, let your conduct, Hebrews 13 5, be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look at the context of this scripture. It says, be content with such things as you have. Because he has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. You would have thought that he would say something like, lock yourself inside your house. Because he has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Because not leaving you nor forsaking you sounds like a protection thing. But what is he protecting you from here? From covetousness. From covetousness. The reason why he's saying I will never leave you nor forsake you is that your heart is at rest to know that it doesn't matter what's going on. God will never leave me. Say that again to yourself. Say it will never leave me. In other words, though he's not here physically, Jesus, we know that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. But there's something else that he does to make us understand that he's with us. And that is that he gives us signposts. Along our journey, it gives, it gives us something called signposts. So, in order to enjoy this grace that we've been talking about, to live in this freedom, we have said that the pace that you are going at has to be a pace that God himself predetermined. But it's also important now that we add to it to say that you must make God the center of your life. Because it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Let me get to my point. Point number one, keep God at the center. And I'm taking this straight out of 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 58, just that same scripture. It says, may he keep us centered and devoted to him. Too many people have God in the background of their lives. Christians, I'm not talking about unbelievers, I'm talking about Christians. That you see a gathering that is called for Christians, specifically for Christians. A friend of mine and I were talking about um, a particular man of God that came to a particular city. Now, this is, this is not uh, an up-and-coming preacher. This is an establishment. If I mention his name, you open your mouth after I tell you what happened. Uh, and, I mean, it been to a major city, right? And they, they had this event and did all of that, and... Maybe 30 people showed up for the event. Christians. Not, they're not doing evangelism thing. It's a <laughs> stuff for Christians, right? That Christians are supposed to gather to. But do you know that in the same city, around the same time, there was another event by an entertainer from the same country that was packed out. That there was no space for people to enter. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about Christians. So when Christians see, you know, things that can bless them, that can improve their, their life, that can, they make excuses. It's like any, anything that, that they want to do, they weigh it. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other Christians, okay? It's not you, all right? Anything they want to do, they weigh it 
it's almost like they look at every other thing in their lives and say, okay, is this more important than this? Is this more important than this? If they don't find anything else that is more important than what you are telling them about, then they will say, okay, I'll try. I'll try. But the minute they see it, and, and they, they, they have work, maybe the work is in the morning, but your, your something is in the night, that is already an excuse for them to say, I have work that day. Because God is now at the back burner in our lives. He's no longer front and center. He's no, he said, let us keep, keep your life centered and devoted to him. Do you know what devotion is? It's like the way you are sold out to you never walk alone to Liverpool. <laughs> That's what devotion is, where you cannot miss a game. So, as Some of you, as you are here and listening to me, you are thinking about World Cup that is starting at 12 o'clock. And you say, Pastor, when are you going to finish preaching? <laughs> That's devotion because your heart is there. Ah, he said, let, your, let, your, let us be centered, devoted to this God. Devoted. Devotion is not that God is something that you check other things and then, no, no, no. God is the center. He is the priority. Everything else, like we were singing in that song, everything else, you check it based on is, is this more important than God? And that's what you, ask, you used to ask yourself. So all the things that we are running around for, that we are trying to acquire, are they more important than God? Don't forget the, this, this foolish man that built a band for himself and said, my soul, take your ease. Take your ease. All God needs to do, he doesn't even need to do anything. He's a thought that he needs to take in his mind. And you'll be with him in glory. It will be in glory, but you'll be with him. And all the pursuit will be over. So we need to wake up, guys, and understand that as Christians, this is what our lives are supposed to be all about. Ask somebody, what is at the center of your life? You didn't ask it very well. Maybe you're afraid of your husband or your wife. Look for somebody else and ask them. What is at the center of your life? I want to know. What is at the center of your life? You see, you say, Pastor Shea, how do I know what's at the center of your life? Look, whatever you are giving most of your energy to is what is at the center of your life. I've told you this over and over again. There are three things. Time, talent, and treasure. It's as simple as that. Where are those three things going? Where? And I'm talking the majority of it. I'm not saying you give God, you know, just a, a little here, a little there. You say, God, I can't do 10%, but here's 20 bucks every now and again. Or here's $10, you know, just so that you won't, give, you won't be angry with me. <laughs> you know? I'm saying, what is, the, what is the center? What is the center? Write those three things down. Time, talent, and treasure. If you, if you cannot measure those three things and say that God is the one taking most of them is not at the center of your life. It doesn't matter whether your name is Christian. No, 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 that's not the issue. Or whether you grew up in church. It is what, right now, what is at the center of your life? Is it the pursuit of happiness? Ah, or, or, you know, somebody, a person or a relationship that is taking all of your energy. What is at the center of your life? Is it status in life or the pursuit of it? Just to be better than the next person. We need to watch these things. This is why Paul said, 1 Timothy 6, 17, this is why he said this. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God really wants to give us all things to enjoy, but he doesn't want anything to take his place in our lives. This is very important. So, to live truly free, the reason why we are talking about all of these things, I know when you heard freedom in Christ, you probably thought I'll be talking about how you can do anything you like. But this is the, is the key of this thing, because freedom is freedom. How you manage it is what determines what you get out of it. That's what determines it, all right? So, to live truly free, you have to understand that the meaning of your life comes from God. That is where the meaning, the, 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 what, you, what you, you attribute your worth and your value to has to be coming from God. No other place. Look at Jesus. Jesus, you know, this scripture baffles me a lot. John chapter 13. Look at it. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus, 
knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and gathered himself. Look, look at this. He's saying that because Jesus recognized who he was, he took a towel and started washing his disciples' feet. How does that even make sense? That the knowledge of who he was, that I'm the son of God, he knows where he, where he came from, then the next thing he would do is to start washing his disciples, do the, the work that is for the least of them. So that means that the knowledge of who you are in God should actually eliminate pride from your life. So if we find pride in your life, it means that God is not at the center yet. That's what it means. That's what it means. So knowing who I am in Christ is supposed to actually humble me. That's what it's supposed to do. So when, we, when we're talking about this freedom in Christ, we're talking about, about grace and we're no longer the law, all of those things are actually supposed to humble you. So maybe you are still finding meaning in something else. That's why your, the knowledge of who you are in Christ, I told you, uh, righteousness, consciousness is not a sin. Pride is the sin. Pride is the sin. So when you know who you are in Christ, it should actually bring you to a point where you know that all of these things mean nothing. They mean nothing. You know that he already told us that I will give you all things freely to enjoy. That is his hard desire. It is hard desire. I was telling Joe the other day that your academic excellence huh, is more important to God than you. Do you know that? Do you know, or should I prove it to you, that you being successful academically is more important to God than it is to you? God is more desirous. Oh, you don't believe this. Do you believe it? Look, God is more desirous that, that you do well academically because his name is at stake. It's not the name of your dad though, that is at stake. Oh. It is his brand. It's God's reputation that is at stake. Because everybody knows you as a Christian. So if you are the one that is, that is you know, having to repeat every course and repeat every class, you think you, you are bringing the name of God, you are dragging the name of God in the mud. So all you need to do is make sure that your life is aligned, is centered, centered on God. This is priority. So... Point number two. Let's keep going. Number three is where I'm really going, so I want, to, I want to get going here. Follow God's path for your life. Follow God's path for your life. We're still in 1 Kings 8.58. This is what he said next. He said, may he keep us centered and devoted to him. Then he said, following the life path that he has cleared. I like how he says that it is the path that he has cleared, which means that if he hasn't cleared a path, please stay where you are. The path that God has cleared is the path of grace. That is the path where you find ease. That's the path where you find the rest for your soul. And like we said, if you are, you, are, you are carrying any weight, anything that feels heavy on you, God is not the one that put that stuff on you. You got it from somewhere else. So it's the path that he has laid for you. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Look at what it says here. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... He says, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I'll just let that marinate a little bit. Because we might be talking about grace and talking about all these things. If you are carrying any sin that you know that is known sin in your life, that is a, it's a weight. That's what he's saying. He says, well, you've got to lay that thing away. Otherwise, that path, you'll be struggling on it because of that thing that you know that you should be getting rid of. So it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Because there is a race that is set before every single one of us. And that is the race we are supposed to run. The one that is set. Are you with me? The one that is set before us. I don't want you to sleep on me today, okay? Don't sleep on me. I'm, I, I will be done before you remember that I'm preaching. All right? 
Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, this is our example, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the race you are graced to run is the one that is set before you. Please don't forget this. If God didn't clear the path, you can't ask him for grace to run that race. If he's not the one that God, somebody said God only, God only, only uh, backs what's, what's he, you know how, how they rhyme all these rhymes. Uh, God only feels what he commanded or something, you know, I, I'm not even, you know, yeah, uh, no, that one is, that one is too cliche. Look, there's this one that is really, I remember it somewhere along the line. All right, Hebrews 11 verse 29. All we're saying is that if God did not send you on that errand, he's not going to support it. You, that's where you will find out that, you know, everything is just, you are putting things on yourself because you are trying to do it your own way. And we are not saying that, you know, there are not, not going to be challenges on the way. We are saying that make sure that the path, the path is the path that God cleared. So that every challenge that comes, you go back to God. You say, God, what's up with this? How do I go about this? Hebrews 11 verse 29. This is one of my favorite examples in, in the Bible. It says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Because the Red Sea was not parted for them. It was parted for the Israelites. So if you try to go on, on a, a path that has been cleared for somebody else, there's going to be a problem there. This is very important. Point number three. And this is where we're going today. Point number three, watch the signposts. Watch the signposts. First Kings 8.58, just going back there. It says, may he keep us centered and devoted to him, following the life path he has cleared, watching the signposts. So the post bearing a sign that give information or guidance are called the signposts. But you see, signposts have several functions and several uses. Signposts give you location information and they give you direction. So when you're traveling on the highway, let's say you're going from the most common one, you're going from Halifax to Truro. Okay, hopefully you have tried that one, all right? Because that's the, that's the first one. If you want to go anywhere in Nova Scotia, that's the first one, all right? If you are going on that highway from Halifax through the airport and going all the way to Truro, there are things on the highway that are called distance markers. Some, sometimes they're called mile markers, which is like an address. It's a small green sign on the right-hand side of the road. I know you've seen it, but you thought, you thought it's decoration. It tells you what kilometer you are on on that road, and it, it increases as you go along. So it will tell you, you know, this one, so that if anything happens, God forbid, and you have to stop on the side of the road and you call emergency services, they're going to ask you, where are you? Then people say, ah, I'm on TransCanada. Shut up. Everything is TransCanada. <laughs> where are you? <laughs> okay? So you have to be able to tell them exactly where you are by just looking on this. And those things appear every 10 seconds as you drive. Every 10 seconds they will show up. So you will see the number. So they're supposed to tell you your, your current location. And I've told you guys before that, you know, when when God called Adam in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't saying, Adam, where are you? This is why me, Greek is very important. And Hebrew, they are vital. You can be, criticize it. Say, Greek and Hebrew, they are what? They are, they are vital. God said to him in the Hebrew, Adam, why are you where you are? How did that become Adam, where are you? <laughs> in our English, how? He said, why? Those are two different things. If God says, Adam, why are you? It's not because God did not know where Adam was. I was trying to find out. I, that's not where I put you. What are you doing there? So at every point in time, signposts are there for us to check the location. Where are we right now? Why am I here? How did I get here? What am I doing here? Is this where God put me? Is this where God will have me at this particular point? In are you with me this morning, guys? 
is this where God will have me at this point, particular point in time? This is very important because that helps you to check your progress. So you will know that you are not where you desire to be, but guess what? You are not where you used to be. That's the first thing you will realize. Look, every time you pay attention to a signpost, this is the one thing that is constant about a signpost. Every time you pay attention to the signpost, the one thing you will discover is progress. You will know that you are making progress. The only time you will think you are not making progress is if you keep your eyes away from your own lane and you check the other lane that is going northbound. You are going southbound. Then you check the one that is going northbound, okay? And you are looking at them. As you are going and you are looking at them, it will look like you are, you are not making progress because you are looking the opposite direction. And that is when you start going too slow, which becomes a problem, <laughs> which now becomes an issue because there are people whose lives, whose destinies depend on you and maintaining the pace of grace. Because once you start going too slow, there are other people who will not be able to achieve their own purpose if you don't fulfill yours first. Have you realized this? That some people's destiny is literally waiting for you to start on your own journey. Because your path are supposed to cross somewhere along the line for them to be able to fulfill theirs. So if you are going too slow, you are not just endangering yourself, you are endangering other people. You are endangering other people. You are slowing down other people's destinies. This is very important. Number two, signposts are for safety. These ones are not numbered. I'm just telling you all what the, the things that signposts look like. They are for safety. That's what they are for. The other thing that signposts do is that they serve as clues or indication. They give us clues because success usually leaves clues. Did you hear what I said? Success leaves clues. If you, they, they, they say the best way to, to, to determine your future is to build it. Uh -huh. It's not by hoping that something will happen. It's by actually walking towards that thing because success always leaves clues. If you see somebody who has, who has done something that you are trying to do or that is making progress in a way that you are not making, they would have left clues behind all along as they were going along that journey. They would have left some signposts. There will be clues everywhere in their life. You will see their routine. You will see that, okay, this person, like there's one, one particular preacher that I, 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 like, I absolutely love the guy. Like I, I always say it. If God will give me the opportunity to say, who do you want to sound like? <laughs> you know, as a preacher, this is him. I'll just choose him straight. Like, just give me this guy's gift, okay? He said, yeah, and I've listened to him, you know, for many years, but I've never hit that, you know, just like what my, my mom was saying this morning, that sometimes you need to listen to a message two or three times for you to even hear some things that you thought that you heard. Actually, looking at me like this, huh? Some of you is my haircut that you have been looking at the whole time I've been preaching. I'm serious. Like, it's, it's a mental thing. It's not because you want to. It's just the way it is. You are distracted by so many things. So when you are on your own and you start listening again, you start hearing things. I, I have heard, look, I, I can say it because it's the truth. I'm not exaggerating. There is no message that is available on the internet that this guy has preached that I've not heard. Even when he was wearing baggy, you know baggy, where they used to wear baggy and trousers. I've heard everything, except I can't find it. But I've never heard him say it. He said he went to a particular um, minister's thing, like a luncheon or gathering or whatever. And as, as he was there, he was the smallest of the people that were there. That as they were talking, he could not even ask any question. Because you know how people are asking questions that you, have, you don't have the brain to think of. Uh -huh. that that's what they were talking about. That in his mind, his own problem was, how will he pay for the photocopy machine in the office? And these people were talking about 20-something million for building. And he was like, what am I doing here? But he kept taking notes. And he kept writing. Everything they were saying, he was writing. At that time, the church was maybe 100 people. He just kept writing notes, kept writing notes. By the time he finished, he said, do you have a question? <laughs> no. Do you understand everything? <laughs> no. But he took all the notes, and he went home with it. He said, 
those notes, the eight pages of notes, became his manual for ministry. After the Bible, he stopped reading books and doing everything. He just stayed with those eight pages and decided one line after the other, we will implement every single thing that is in this thing. And before you knew it, slowly, every year, they started adding 100 people every year. After five years, there were 500. After the next year, they started adding 800 people every year. Until now, their church has, has exploded in all these you know, locations. So, so what are we saying? That some, there are clues. Clues are everywhere. It is, are you ready to look for them and do the work that it takes to implement the clues? That's all. Are you still with me? All right. So it says in Hebrews 6, verse 11 to 12. It says that by faith and patience, as we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. You see that word? To the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. And this is what we just talked about now. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So when we are saying faith and patience, we are not saying is a permission to be sluggish. I have to keep reiterating that. That faith, you, are, you have faith and you are being patient does not mean you are being sluggish, that you're not doing anything. He says, show the same diligence. So these guys who obtained the promise by faith, they were diligent people. They were diligent. They were going about their business. They were not sitting down at home and expecting that the promise will come and fall on their laps. This is very important. So, I'm going to skip a few things just because of time. So going too slow, I've already mentioned this, would endanger other road users. So on a, have you noticed this too, that on a single lane road, <laughs> when you're, I'm sure it happens to you when you're coming to church, on a single lane road and you are, you are late, if the person in front of you does not move, you can't go anywhere. Now I'm not talking about the country you came from, I'm talking about here, okay? Because I know that where you came from, you can just do, do a maneuver and the, and the matter will be over. But yeah, if you try that, I've been warning Joe that if you try it, when you start driving, they will find you. No devil, they will find you. <laughs> they will definitely find you, all right? So that's what signposts are for. They ensure that, they ensure that you, know, you, you, keep, you keep checking yourself, knowing where am I, where am I going? Yeah, you assess it based on the fact that, okay, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm, I'm definitely not where I need to be. So I, I still need to keep moving. I still need to keep going. Let's keep going here. Signposts ensure that you don't get lost on the journey. And this is my final one. This one is very vital. Because, you see, it's easy to get lost. Especially in this generation that we are in, it is so easy to get lost. Easy to get lost. You, you, you just find out that you can't find yourself anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just find out that, ah, what's going on? Like, this is not me. This is not me because this is what he talks about, every wind of doctrine. Sometimes it's not just doctrine. It's just every wind of activity. Things are just blowing people around, especially people that are immigrants that come into a country. I mean, if you grew up here, I, I envy you. Well, I don't really envy you at the same time. But immigrants are the ones that are susceptible to this thing, that they come into a new country, and they start seeing everything looks new to them. Do you remember how McDonald's looked when you first came here? Now you are now touched now. You don't want to admit it. You know how it looked to you? It looked like, ah, you looked at everything. You said, this one does not look like Mr. Biggs, where I'm coming from. <laughs> This thing looks, ah, looks good. Everything looks nice. You want to take picture everywhere, you know? And after some time, you now start going through those places and you say, ah, what's up? Why was I shaking like that when, when I first came here? All right? So I, I'm digressing. But the point is, it's easy to get lost, okay? When you don't know where you're going. Things will just be carrying you. Then you start doing activities. You start going, oh, let's, they are doing swimming. Let's go. Uh, it's, it's basketball. Let's go. Uh, it's this one. Let's, then you, are, you have stretched yourself so thin. God is no longer at the center of your life. You have committed yourself to all these different things that when you now say church, it's almost like a forgotten idea in your mind that the reason why you go to church on Sunday is, I mean, there was a fellow again who used to come here who told me, admitted to me. That was the day I knew that he's not going to stay in this church. 
had actually told me that the reason why I come to this church is because my mom will ask me if I went to church. I'm telling you, he told me that. <laughs> so I just knew it. I said, ah, this dude, I didn't tell him about it in my mind. I knew that this one, you know, because the day your mom stops asking you, you won't show up anymore. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So it doesn't matter what is it that is moving you. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Let's close with this. Mark 8, 36. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? He says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? When we read this scripture, because we are Christians and we have grown up in church, what we read is, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and goes to hellfire? Not what he says. That's not what he says. What is soul? What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And he says the word own. <laughs> he says loses his own soul. Yeah, hell is the ultimate destruction. But he's saying you're going to lose your own soul, which is your mental health is at stake here. That's what he's talking to you about. So don't take this stuff lightly. Like even the Bible is telling you that you are going to lose your soul. So you will, you will, you will get lost in the whole system, in the rat race, in the pursuing after things. If you don't keep God at the center of everything. Please, look, I'm hammering this thing like this because I have seen I've seen it all in my, my, I told you, Believer's House is two years old. I'm not a two, two years old in the ministry. <laughs> I've been doing this since I was a teenager. So I've seen people fall away, fall away in a dramatic way. And I've also seen people literally rise up in Christ and to become giants in a matter of months. That they are healing the sick and raising the dead. Like my, my friend that we always joke about, <laughs> that we didn't see him for a long time. You know, he, he got born again in our midst and everything. And the guy just took on this thing radically. And before you knew it, when we started with, with my, one of my other friends, we now saw each other. We said, ah, how far with that guy? He said, oh, yes, I'm raising the dead now. <laughs> We're just joking about it. But that was what was going on. Because he applied himself. Applied himself to this stuff. You can get lost in the whole system. And you do, we don't even know the difference between you and an unbeliever anymore. That as they are talking, you now sound like them. You know, everything they are saying, you are, you are, you are, you are, you know, you are, they are talking about things that you should be, that should be provoking you. And it doesn't do anything to you. In fact, you want to be accepted more than you want to be on the opposing side. Yeah, that means that the world is getting you. It's choking you up. It's choking you up. That's what's going on. So you need to be aware, guys. This is very important. And you are not going to be in this church and you will not hear me talk about stuff like this. I shall. I will. Because I must. I must. Because your blood will be required. Oh, you don't know. That your blood will be required. Oh, I should bring that scripture back again. There was one time that I showed them the scripture. Where it says that I'm responsible for you. Your blood will be required in my hand. That's why this pastor of a thing, I don't like it. Ah, I don't like it. So I can account for my family <laughs> and my wife. <laughs> and give account. But to be accounting for people that I don't know what you do when, as you go now on Monday. It's text. I'll be following you up and I'll be chasing you. Before you reply, it'll be three days. There's one fellow I'm thinking about that I'm supposed to be here. I've been texting him all week. He didn't reply. And once he don't, he don't reply, I know that dude is not coming to church on Sunday. <laughs> That's why he's not replying. Glory be to God. So he's talking about your, your soul, all right? So hell is there, yeah, but you, you need to understand that before we get to that point, we're talking about taking care of your mind so that you don't lose your mind in this thing. You don't lose your mind. Keep, eye, keep your eyes on the, guard, on, the, on the guardrails. Watch all the signposts along your journey. Make sure that you are keeping pace with the pace of grace. Say amen to that. Amen. I think I'll stop it here for today so that we can, we can, we can keep to our record timing. All right? Can we bow our heads? I want to give an opportunity to anybody there. You're saying, you know, Pastor, this thing you're talking about, I, I don't, my own issue is hell, actually. Hell is the main thing that I'm afraid of right now. Because I don't know Jesus. I'm not even on this journey at all. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. 
to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're there and you want to say this prayer with us, everybody will say it with you so that you don't feel left alone, okay? If you're online or you're in the room, just lift up your hand, say this prayer with us. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God sent you to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that you were raised to life again on the third day. I accept you into my life today as my Lord and personal Savior. Say, be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together and just celebrate for every person that is saying that prayer with us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.